Penny, welcome. We are so pleased that you are here. Now, you were, I think, last year, because you were due to come and be with us, weren't you? And um, you not being able to come and share because you'd just come back, I think, from Italy on holiday. So. Yeah, we just had four days in Rome. That's right. And, and that was kind of the first thing which coronavirus really sort of changed uh, in, in my diary so um, it's, mm. I'm really pleased we've been able to have you back um, this year and make it happen. Anyway. Yeah really really pleased to be here thank you. Yes it was when all the um, outbreak was starting in northern Italy and we thought Rome was fine but it was a good time to go because I've never seen the Vatican empty apart from on photographs <laughs> before. <laughs> so it was a good, good time to visit Rome but it was very weird. Yeah very very strange. And you're a Baptist minister and um it's good to get that confession out of the way at the beginning I think um, yeah. <laughs> um but what what does that mean look like for you because everybody's ministry is very different mm. give us a little bit of a an insight into what that looks like for you yeah, thank you. Yes, I'm a Baptist minister and I'm employed by the South Eastern Baptist Association, but with um, a focus on mission. So um, I'm, I guess I'm what they call a pioneer minister. Um, my heart is to set up new things. So years ago when I was training at London, I went to London Bible College because I wasn't sure I wanted to be a Baptist then. Can I say I'm really pleased I'm a Baptist now? <laughs> at that point, I wasn't sure. And um, during my summer holidays, I met 10 different Baptist church leaders, actually, um, thinking I was called to inner city. And um, most of them, I sat there and thought, man, I couldn't do that. That is so tough. But two of them really fired me up and they were um, church planting situations. And I thought, that's what I really want to do. And one particular was a man called, um, a minister called Steve Hill. He was on the Isle of Dogs. And he and another minister, Darren Blaney, had sat down with the then general secretary, who was, um, oh, David coffee <laughs> and they sat down with a napkin and they'd drawn a picture of the Thames gateway so you, you kind of could relate to this you know the Thames and everywhere from Tower Bridge to the Thames estuary million well thousands of new homes and they said to David Coffey wouldn't it be exciting if we put church planters in right at the beginning instead of 20 years later and this I'm going back now about nearly 25 years and I heard that vision I thought that is so so exciting so I had to do a research project for my degree and I did that on the um, church planting opportunities in the Thames Gateway and something just got started God just birthed something I think in me about working in new housing so at the bottom of that I was kind of like I'm going to put my job description in the appendix here <laughs> and then the London Baptist Association had their millennial appeal um, where for the millennium they wanted to do something more lasting than just a big party so they asked people to donate towards um, two houses for church planters and actually they only did one but that was the one that I lived in in Docklands in London for nine years before then kind of washing up a bit further down the Thames um, here in North Kent and I'm now in the Epsweet Garden City so yeah my heart is starting up new things in new housing developments. Yeah, I remember coming to visit you um, in uh, at Royal Docks, and uh, that was as part of my training. Um, we had to come and do a project on church planting, and I know that a number of us, um, Val, who's with us tonight as well, uh, were very inspired by that module and hearing all the different stories of church planters and pioneers that we uh, met during our training. Um, I do remember that visit. <laughs> there you go. Um, one of the questions we ask everybody who's been sharing with us during Lent is just to say, um, does Lent make any sort of tangible difference to you? Is it something you mark in any particular way or does it kind of come and go without much? Mm, it, it tends to, it varies really, I think each year by year. And this year, in some ways, I did want to mark it. Um, I don't know, it's felt like a different year. And, and I joked with my running buddy and I said, I think I might give up chocolate. And by lunchtime... <laughs> on the Wednesday that had gone out the window and then she reminded me of something I think the Archbishop of Canterbury was saying was actually we have given up so much this year and I thought yeah I don't think I'm ready to give up anything else um, at the moment but I have started a Lent reading um, course that I've done I got I was attracted to the this book at home in Lent it's daily meditations on really obvious objects and kind of down to earth 
day-to-day objects in the house and I just that attracted me because I think most of what I I guess meditate on and tend to share starts with the kind of ordinary and then explores how God might be at work in that so um, yes I've been reading that and I've only missed about two three days so far so I'm quite proud (laughs) but I'm really enjoying it as well so I guess for me it was that and a little bit I've been doing some contemplative prayer I did a uh, course on that so I've been trying to bring that in as part of my Lent disciplines too um, but yeah just wanting to grow closer to Jesus as we approach Easter and not let this whole season just whiz by brilliant thank you and so tell us about the uh, the North Kent Thameside uh, project so really it's just over the water and we'd love to hear all of <laughs> yeah absolutely if we had boats and it wasn't covid we'd invite you over um (laughs) yes um well this area is really different and really varied um and when i first came Ebsfleet was going to be developed initially and i've been here 13 years it wasn't anything other than a very large development but since then about six years ago the government said it would be a new garden city So if you've heard of Letchworth and um, Welling Garden City, that it would follow the Garden City principles of being a place where people could live and work and thrive. Um, So it's not just about big gardens, but, you know, it was was about that. Um, So, yeah, I came 13 years ago to the area, couldn't move into Ebsfleet because they hadn't even started building. And then the recession hit. And I was like, okay, we're not going to build for a while now. Um, I'd say I wasn't here on my own. I was part of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Because one of the things we'd learned when I was in Docklands was that actually as a couple in a development on our own, it was really tough without much support. So here we moved, we were part of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Gravesend and they were supporting us in the work. So, but I just felt God said three, four things we were to do um, during the time we were waiting for building to start. One was um, to network, just get to know everybody and every, you know, every person, network, stakeholder. So council developers that became school governor in the area, that kind of thing. Um, Another was the churches were, um, we had a kind of churches together, but it was a bit, well, it wasn't great. (laughs) I wasn't going far. But I felt actually that that was an opportunity for us as churches together to get our act together and think about what we could do in Ebsfleet so we started we kind of revamped what's now churches together in Ebsfleet thirdly um the new Ebsfleet is cut up by very old socially deprived areas and I was visiting a group in there I came out of the housing office and I just felt tears well up and I felt God said don't forget the poor this project is not just for the nice rich new and glossy so we started a small project in North Fleet North, which is quite socially deprived. And then the fourth thing was get some people who are excited about mission from any of the local churches to do something together. So we did something in um, Costa Coffee. We did Cafe Church in Blue Water, which was right open to the mall. And that was a real learning um, experience. And interestingly, we didn't see a lot of fruit. We did that for six years monthly, but we learned a lot of and quite a few of the core team for that are now part of the team in Ebsfleet. So it was, it was it was really good from that point of view. And then about five, six years ago, the first houses popped up. And so we started doing some community um, engagement and then, you know, making the most of Christmas and Easter. And um, I just say I have got I told David earlier, I have got some photos so I can do a kind of slideshow at some point and tell the story there pictorially. But it may make more sense if I've explained a little bit. So, um, yeah, so we started doing community things. I was working with a small team who were praying um, about the area and we did quite a bit of um, study about what what God might want to do, what mission might look like differently. Um, because I know in the sort of 90s, there was a big thing about church planting where you'd kind of, and I, I think naively in Docklands, I started out like this thinking, I'm going to plant all my favourite bits of church. So the bits I don't like, we won't do those things, but we're going to have an amazing worship and fantastic teaching and great house groups and all this. And actually, I found that five, six years in, there were six of us asking deeper questions like, what does the kingdom of God look like in this place? How do we show his love and how do we make disciples and grow as disciples? Very different from what does a Sunday church service look like? 
So on my team preparing for Ebsfleet, we spent a long time just looking and thinking and praying into what it would be to serve the community, to love, to listen, and to, in a sense, be entrepreneurial about what might emerge and, and get a grasp of what is church so that we know you know, what marks us out from just a very nice community group. So obviously we had to hold on to those things that were central to who we were called to be as God's people in the place. But then the rest we could kind of lose. So I spent quite a long time with the group exploring and kind of letting go of some of the baggage. I guess one of the scriptures that underpins, I think, a lot of what I do um, as I've reflected back and as I reflect forward is Luke 10 when he sent out the um, 1772 sent them out. He prayed while well, prayer was a foundation for us. Um, he told them to pray. He sent them out in small teams that weren't big enough to be self-sufficient, but they went on their own. So again, partnership and being team was important. And then he, he kind of told them to leave the baggage behind. So I think we did quite a bit of, okay, what's some of the baggage that we can drop? Um, and then he said, receive the hospitality that's offered. And when I lived in Docklands, I was right in the community. So if you're familiar with that phrase, incarnational ministry, you know, how Christ came and lived amongst us and how we then, you know, want to be part of that same mission by living in a community. And in Docklands, I was right there. In Ebsfleet, we were in Gravesend, about three or four miles away. So not in the community. And it was really hard to think, well, how do I engage as an outsider when I want to be part and love and serve and know this community. And in um, when Jesus sends out the 72, he says, receive the hospitality that's offered. And so it was kind of looking for the people of peace, the people who would open the doors and receive the hospitality. And, and I guess I just had to become a little bit cheeky. I got to know one of the ladies and um, she said, oh, I'm having a candle party for the neighbours. And so I said, oh, could I come? I love candles, which is sort of true. She's like, yeah, of course you can. That'd be great. And it was Friday night. And I suddenly realized that I was the only one who was driving to this candle party. That I parked my car and I walked through unlit streets thinking, I really wish I was just at home with my husband right now. I don't want to walk into a room full of strangers. <laughs> Feeling really, really uncomfortable. And you think we sometimes we expect people to come to church and do that but here I was the one out of my comfort zone and they were um so I went in got to know a few people uh, bought a few candles went away again but those people I got to know when I knocked on their door a few months later to tell them about something else I was doing I knew their names they knew me and things changed so so I guess there was quite a lot of that kind of in the early days um and then as time went on they built a community centre. So up until that point, everything we did was outdoors. So it's very weather dependent. And when I show you the pictures, you'll see there's some real weather. De- <laughs> there's a great events where the sun shone and there's the ones where we have never been so wet in all our lives. <laughs> <laughs> events, we had some of those too. But we then started to ask the question, um, when they built the community centre, we'd been by this time working in the area for two, three years, saying we were there hoping to start a church. Um, we thought, well, if we don't meet in there on a Sunday morning, lots of outside groups will come in. So we felt we needed to be a presence there. But I'd spent all this time saying, we're not going to do church in the normal way on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so there's real, okay, so what are we going to do? And I thought, well, maybe we could try messy church. And then I thought, no, because they're all parents with babies at the moment. And I can't see some of these blokes doing cutting and sticking. That just wouldn't work. Um, I thought maybe cafe church, but it wasn't really a cafe environment. And we just kind of pondered the different ideas. In the meantime, Ebsfleet was um, designated a healthy new town. So there was a lot of investment going on by the development corporation into health and fitness and well-being. And I've got a free Fitbit and I was participating in all of that. Um, I'd also we'd done um, an event to raise some money for a community bus that we thought we could use as a community facility. And it's been a bit of a joke. We did a sponsored run. And I said, the only running I will ever do is running for a bus. Well, I um, I did the couch to 5K, ran for that bus. We raced 10,000, which is still banked because we never got the t- as far as the bus because the developer said, no, you can't park it and you can't bring it on the development. But in the meantime, four of us got into running 
and um, thought we go to park run and park runs a bit like church maybe we could use running as a way of connecting with people who wouldn't go to church but I didn't want to run set up a running group and then think but how do we then bring faith into this so I just kind of parked that then we had um, a trainee pioneer minister wanted to join Ebsfleet for various reasons and he was the fitness instructor with his own fitness equipment so this is interesting and then another couple um wanted to join us from the local anglican church and um, paul had been on the mission shape ministry course with me and um he was a registered walk leader with the local council and his wife was gifted in hospitality and i said we've got a team here who can offer quite a lot of things and we've got a development corporation that are saying we've got to help everybody be healthy in this new garden city But one thing people weren't talking about that I thought could be our kind of niche thing was spiritual health. So I thought, how about we create something that says we're going to share um, ways to be healthy. We're going to help you be part of a community, but we're also going to talk about spiritual health. And we're going to do that from a Christian perspective because we're a church. We don't know anything else. Uh, We'll use the Bible, Christian tradition, won't tell you what to believe, but we think we've got some stuff here that's really going to help you in your life so that was kind of how we marketed it so our Sunday Sunday mornings started with meeting at nine o'clock and the choice was you could go on a walk which was very much a stroll around the development so all ages kids on buggies scooters um, dogs it was a real mixture Um, you could join the running group the running group we did count to 5k a few times you could do hit with NAT, which is high intensity impact training. Yeah, that was kind of for the hardcore, really. <laughs> but we did that in the um, center and we put out some toys so that actually children could play while the parents supervised them and did the exercise. Um, and at the same time, we also put out tables so people could come and have coffee um, or read a magazine, do some coloring, whatever. And then at 10 o'clock, People could go if they wanted to, but they were invited and encouraged to stay for breakfast. And then from breakfast, we'd flow into a 20 minute talk. Very similar, I guess, to the learning that we picked up from the cafe church. It's a very that kind of style geared for people who have no faith, Christian background. Um, And we would do a talk on an aspect of spiritual health from a Christian perspective. And then we'd finish off with more breakfast, more chatting. It was chaotic, fun. Um, and then we would, um, at 11, we'd pack up and get out. And then we would have further hour for the core team and those who were Christians to do more worship, Bible study and communion and that kind of thing. So that was how our Sunday mornings um, worked. And after two years, just before we went to lockdown, um, we'd grown from a core team of 12 to about 30 to 40. And most of those um, are people who wouldn't normally be in church on Sundays. Um, and that was really exciting. So when everybody goes, we don't want to go to back to what it was like before lockdown. We go, I do. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best, the best we'd had it. You know, it was like, what are you doing, God? Um, but I think God's been holding. I think we've uh, we've managed to hold that community together. So yeah, yeah. that's just a little taste. Uh, yeah, there's so much in that. And um, I want I have two questions. And um, my first. You said about being there 13 years, but then the houses were only built much sort of after you'd been there quite a while. I just wonder, what was it like in that period when you're there, but the houses aren't being built? Um, was that ever sort of a discouraging thing? I mean, or were you always, we know they are going to be built. It's just a case of holding on. And then um, the follow up to that is, I know there's quite a good story with how you came to have the house so I'd love to hear that as well story plot 100 yeah Yeah. that wasting time it was and I think um I mean it was just that hunch I had that God had said about those four priorities I mentioned Mm -hmm. um but as I reflect back I think that was God um and those things did kind of keep me going um I took umpteen photos I I would come and take photos of the ground especially when they broke the ground um there was some parts of the development that did start earlier um i don't know if you can um Epps fleet is fifteen thousand new homes but the largest single part of the development is six and a half thousand and that's where we've tended to focus um but there's other pockets so one area did probably start about eight years ago eight or nine years ago so we did a bit of work there with another church 
as well. But I think the cafe church, the praying into it, um, and I, I maybe I just the way I'm wired, I'm quite a visionary. And so I knew it would happen. I just needed to help keep people along with me and waiting certain like journey. Mm. But yeah, and moving in terms of moving in, we'd always wondered as a family whether it would be right. And we'd moved from um Docklands where we'd been living incarnationally. And I think we'd almost got burnt out. We were quite tired as a family from living the whole, you know, right in that community all the time. So to actually have a time out in Gravesend was good. It was my children when we moved were about 11 and 8. They're now 23 and 21. How did that happen? Um, But it was really good for them to be in the town centre and for us to be part of that big church. But as things happened, we were in a big Victorian property. We loved it. But my husband and I began to think, this is just costing too much to run. And there were a number of other things. I thought, well, maybe now's the time to look at moving into Ebsfleet. And I had obviously been getting to know the sales office. And they said, do you know there's this one house that's um it's a five bedroom house but next to it is a studio space over the double garage do you think that you might be interested well actually because there's me thinking we're a church plant no building no um you know no space to meet um apart from the community center and that has its has its limitations so that would be perfect and it was plot 100 so we said, yes, OK, we're interested. So they said, well, you've got to sell your house first um, because um, sales office, new build, basically, they won't let you buy it unless you can guarantee the cash or you've got a sale without a chain. So we put us on the market. We got a buyer really quickly. It's great. They hadn't released the house. But what we didn't know, there was a waiting list. And they said, you're on the waiting list. And we were like, how far down are we? And they wouldn't tell us. And we're like, but we're selling our house in Gravesend and we don't know if we'll get this plot. Um, and I know a friend who came along and said, oh, we're really interested in plot 100. But they told us not to bother putting our names down because there's already too many names on the list. So we were very much doing it in faith that we would get this house. Um, then various things happened. Basically, they, they messaged me and they said the house has been released. First person on the list was a director for David Wilson Holmes, she didn't want it. So they said, we've been told to offer it to you next. And I know we weren't top of the list, but I think that was, that was great. So, um, so we said, yeah, yeah, we definitely want it. So they said, well, have you sold your house? Well, at this point, our buyer hadn't got a buyer and we couldn't complete the chain. So they said, no, but you know, we're hoping. So they said, well, you've got a week. And they gave us about a week to tie this up. Well, it wasn't going to happen. And I rang Stuart Davison, our regional minister, and I said, Stuart, I know Seba's got no money, but is there anything we can do to, I don't is there any way you can help us because we're going to lose this. So he rang the BU, told me to ring the BU, and within a week, the BU had agreed that Seba could have a loan to put down the house to buy it for us. Um, on the basis that we took the financial risk. So we said we'd pay all the expenses and everything else, um, but they reserved it for us. So that was great. Um, Thankfully, our house sale then went through in time for us to then take the sale back from SIBA. So we just took over the reserve fee and SIBA were out of the picture. So that that was real provision. But then they discovered that our house is on a hill that next door's retaining wall was causing lots of complications. So it was going to be delayed by at least six weeks to two months. And we told, we'd agreed a date we would be out. So suddenly we were then having to move out with nowhere to go. Um, and we've got all the church stuff as well as our own stuff and the kids at home. And um, so again, we've got some different Airbnbs, hotels, what's going to work out the best. And our estate agent mentioned to the United Reformed Church um, that basically they were letting out amounts. So they let us live there rent free and it was big enough to store everything, which was great. In the meantime, we nearly lost the sale again. And the sales office said to um, our estate agent, we do want Penny and Barry to have this because we know that if they don't get this house, we're all going to hell. Which I thought was wonderful. <laughs> At the start, I said, well, that's not my call, but, you know, God is on our side. <laughs> yeah. um, so finally, then when we finally got the keys, 
um, our studio space, which I'm in now, and the garage wasn't finished. So we had to leave our stuff in the house. So we had to do a two-stage move twice. And I feel like the um, removal men were like old friends by the time I spent four days with them, <laughs> sorting what went and what didn't. Um, we finally got in here and then I thought, because I thought there was going to be a delay again, that the URC would say, oh, it's fine, keep your stuff. Discovered the URC were completing on that property the day after we got everything out of there. And I didn't even realise how close that was. Um, but at the start of the year, and I forgot to say this, um, just before we start this whole process, I was sharing about the nativity characters and it was like, what advice would they give us for now? And when I did Mary and Joseph, I thought there was nobody more in the centre of God's will than Mary and Joseph at that time. And yet they had to go to Bethlehem. Everything could have looked like God was not in control. It was really difficult. So I guess I kind of translated that into we can be doing the right thing, but it might be difficult. It doesn't mean we're not still doing the right thing. But in my heart, I felt God was saying, you're going to move and it's going to be really tough. And it's going to feel really uncomfortable. And you're going to think at times that I'm not in this, but I'm in it. And then the other word that Barry and I got as we prayed into it was hold your nerve. And we felt that actually those two things kept us going throughout that year. And it literally was a year from having that word to moving in. But as you can see, I'm now in this space. And I don't know if you can get much of a perspective, but I can see probably about 15 in here or at least four socially distanced. <laughs> um, but it's a great space. And we've just used it for two meetings and we've had lockdowns, so we haven't been able to. But I'm really hoping that we'll be able to use it. And being here during lockdown has been such a blessing because I suddenly, we've got friends here already, obviously having worked in the area. Um, but going through the process of buying brought us closer to quite a few of the people in the community as well and you know similar house styles and who've you got to do this and you know all of those things um but just being here has made a huge difference i think to the mission and how i certainly feel yeah yeah how, um how's the how's the pandemic been in, in that sense how how has your role obviously adjusted as everybody's has in every way i guess but um have there been opportunities as well as challenges in all of that? How, how have you experienced it? Yeah, I mean, I think like everybody, it's like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? And how are we going to do sort of church in the way that we've been doing it that's authentic to us? So, you know, bearing in mind that most of the people that had engaged with us weren't Christians. Um, so we had to kind of think quickly. So we decided we'd use Facebook Live. We give it a quick try. <laughs> One Sunday morning, it kind of worked. So um, we've used Facebook Live and we've started with a hit session. So at 9.30, you can join in the exercise with Nat. And then he hands over to us. I do a quick introduction. Then I do a tea break so everybody can go get a cup of coffee as we would breakfast. And then a talk for about 15, 20 minutes. Um, those have changed slightly. They've still been very, I hope, very grounded in sort of starting with where people are at and then bringing the biblical stuff in. Um, we haven't been able to use YouTube clips. I probably shouldn't have been using them anyway, but I certainly couldn't stream them. Um, but we've still kept them interactive. So I know a colleague said to me, if it, he was in my situation, maybe he would pre-record it to get it perfect. Well, I think I'd be all week pre-recording it and never be happy. Um, but also I prefer the fact that people put things in the comment box. So there's usually a question. And at the moment, we, we did a lovely series on children's stories. You know, what you'd learn from obviously going on a bear hunt about perseverance, but lots of things. Now we're doing board games. So I did Scrabble and the Power of Words. This week I'm doing Cluedo. Well, who do we blame? Um, so starting with something that's fun and interactive and, you know, which character would you want to be? That kind of thing and getting feedback um, and then just bringing something that's kind of a thought for the week type of thing. And then we've taken our what would have been our core team meetings onto Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, because of that, we've probably got more people coming to that than we had before. Mm -hmm. So we've had about 16, 17 um, one couple live in Bromley and it was just the right time for them to come and be part of us again. And they're now um, going to join us 
um, on the Sundays when we do start up again and be part of the core team, which is great. Um, and then at Christmas, I thought, well, let's do something that's maybe even more interactive. So the three December um, Sundays, we did craft activities and I delivered craft bags um, to the families. So I started with about 15 families. Um, I packed them on Monday, left them in quarantine till Thursday, <laughs> then knocked on the doors and just, you know, said, here's something if you want to join us on Sunday. And then my husband's been great. The two of us would sit on that couch, cutting and making and sticking. And as we did, I just talk about the Christmas story. And then they'd send photographs. And it was so lovely, particularly actually the dads engaging with the kids. Um, lots of we have lots of engagement. So um, for we decided to carry in monthly. So we did a Valentine's Day craft. And then this Sunday, because it's Mother's Day, we baked scones. So Barry and I set up in our kitchen. I dropped off kits and we had 18 families. And each time we've added to those families with the contacts um, and they've sent photos and you know, it's been quite fun and some interaction and things um, during that time. So we're going to do an Easter one as well. And it's just got me thinking that actually, whereas I said three years ago, messy church wouldn't work because they're all babies. Of course, they're not now. They've grown up, and grown up during some lockdown as well. I'm not sure how that happened. And two babies have been born. So um, we will probably think about when we go back doing something that... Um, incorporates families like messy church maybe or something um, like that but I'm my heart my prayer was very much just to hold the community to keep the interaction going um, and the banter and the comments you know I really appreciate that we did um, a weekly for a while we did a weekly quiz night or played categories online um, just to try and keep that contact but judging by the response I've had when I've knocked on doors dropped off these bags for the craft kits and the feedback I think and the engagement with that I think we've probably kept in touch with most if not all of those who were part of us before and again in the autumn we um we planted some bulbs in the garden and I was just reflecting on that and I thought yeah okay we've stuck them in the ground I don't know whether they'll come up or not. Thankfully, most of them have, actually. It's been quite exciting. But it was that sense of God, you know, we are just doing what we can faithfully and praying and trusting and being here and just asking you to keep those things maybe hidden, but bring that growth. Um, and we're just trusting that as we come out of lockdown, whatever we do. <laughs> um, and imagine we probably will go back to Sunday Active if it, you know, see if it still works, but we'll have to address the children's issue. Um, a little bit more um, but just trusting that actually God has been doing and growing something um, that hopefully I'm I'm, I'm I'm optimistic I might be surprised <laughs> <laughs> always good to be optimistic yeah um, <clears throat> beyond life in Ebb's Fleet uh, I know that uh, you uh, have had a, a Grove book clip published um, in the not too distant past and uh, you're part of a couple of national networks doing various things tell us a little bit about what some of that involves yes certainly I think that's great as I said about my heart for um, pioneering in new housing and encouraging and I've been part of the churches together in England new housing areas group as a Baptist representative for a while and I've just taken on becoming the chair of that so obviously that's an ecumenical group um, but when I had a sabbatical a few years ago, um, somebody had already talked to me about writing a growth booklet, um, possibly telling the story or just reflecting on new housing. Um, at the same time, Ali Bolton, who I'd met and was a friend, she'd also been asked to write a growth booklet. So we just said, why don't we do this together? So um, we did that. It was interesting because we both realised we have so much common ground, but also different experiences so whilst we were like, you write this bit, I'll write this bit, we ended up going, but what about? So we virtually wrote it all together. <laughs> took a lot longer to do that, but it was really good. And I think we discovered that we both had a real heart for not just our own communities of new housing, but actually equipping and, and raising the agenda um, and helping people to see that, you know, it is possible and it's an amazing opportunity and that when people move into new housing, they're often more open, um, that there's opportunities to partner with developers and council and 
so many opportunities but also there's so much to do with new housing that you don't get trained in in bible college or you know so i'm now on the planning um committee for the absolute development corporation so i've had to learn a huge amount um about planning uh, which is great and and it's some of that kind of knowledge that we wanted to be able to share to equip people to know how do you talk to a developer or what you know what can you negotiate what might be out there what resources and where do you start so um Ali and I together we kind of have started up the new housing hub um which is a national um initiative really coming out of the hearts of who we are and what we feel God is saying and I guess our, our strap line is working together to share God's love with every new housing area and what we want to do is just to help churches get the vision um help them be equipped and resourced um, help churches to think strategically so you don't have you know four churches working in one development and then two miles down the road nobody's doing anything um, but you know to actually be quite um, I guess sensitive wise collaborating but also yeah just sensible about it and talk about that to encourage Christians not to be the ones who are opposing the development that's happening on their garden you know on their um greenfield sites or whatever um but actually to be willing to be hospitable and to see it as a mission opportunity but also to be a prophetic voice where that needs to be so where you know um things need to be challenged if they're going to build without community facilities or they're not going to put in the um required amount of social housing and things you know challenging those things as well so really just putting housing um on the agenda and and being a strategic voice to the secular um planning and sort of housing world as well so so it's quite ambitious <laughs> goals but we just believe it's something god's saying is now and now's the right time so ali's um giving more time to this she's done some research and things um and she's been able to give a lot more time um to it at the moment but it's it's something that's really on our hearts and we're doing different webinars this year with a view to probably doing a summit next year um, where well, we bring some key leaders together to say, you know, what is God saying to the church in the UK about our response to new housing areas? And we look forward to hearing more about that when it, when it happens. Because I think there's so, so much that the kind of mission stuff that, and we know, we know Ali, Ali's been and spoken uh, here right. at church as well. And um, how much, I, I, there's so much in that that I think churches like ours can learn too, even though we're not in a new housing development. Um, just those principles about loving your community and blessing your neighbours. And there's just so much in there. And um, for churches like ours, I think we um, are, we're inspired in new ways because you're sort of cutting new ground, as it were. And it's so good for us to hear that and see that because uh, it inspires us to kind of look afresh at where we are and say, OK, how do we? Um, do that but I guess at the root of all of that is sort of just a deep love for where you are isn't it and a mm -hmm. sense of place and, and neighborhood um, and I'm guessing yeah. it runs throughout whether it's locally and actually or the wider stuff it is all about a sense of, of being a blessing where you are yeah absolutely and I think um, obviously praying and investing time and spending time in the communities meant I loved Epstein before I even moved here mm. <laughs> and now it's even better um, now I'm here with the developments, things that are happening. But yeah, I think it is. And having that rootedness, I think one of the um, scriptures that very much independent what I was doing when I was in Docklands, um, but I think it still carries over and you'd be really familiar, but Jeremiah 29, um, where they're, they're in exile. Um, so, you know, because people are in exile, well, we're not in exile as such, you know, I've not been trapped here. But on the other hand, lockdown in some ways has put us in a position of discomfort where we have not wanted necessarily to be but we've been locked down in our neighborhoods and I think neighborhood has had a um a fresh emphasis actually I think a lot of people are more aware of their neighbors you know we clap for the NHS uh, just the other day I was walking down the street and I was saying to Barry I said hello to somebody and he goes who are they I told them I said oh yeah they've had a baby they've got a dog and they've got he said how do you know that I said because every Thursday night I met them <laughs> they live so-and-so house I went oh he works for the NHS so I didn't bother coming out to clap but um but you know we got to know 
the um, the neighbours through that. And I think there is something about neighbourhood. And I think this captures it as well, where um, so this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those are carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And another, the, I said the um, EDC are into health and fitness. They're also into edible ebbs fleet and planting and gardens. And there's something there about that kind of planting. So last year um, in lockdown, we had a sunflower growing competition as a church. This Easter, I'm going to, um, we've got a WhatsApp group with about 30 of our local houses that came out of a meet your neighbours on Zoom that I did last Easter. Um, I'm going to ask them if they want to do a neighbourhood sunflower growing competition. And I've got some flowers to give to them, along with an Easter card and some chocolates. And I'm just thinking, how can I... Yes, I've got this bigger vision for the whole of Ebbsfleet, but I also have next door neighbours. And how can I just bless my neighbours and just be part of this, this neighbourhood and be a good neighbour? Um, so, so, yes, and I guess I'd, I'd want to challenge you guys maybe as well to think about, you know, Easter's another good opportunity. Christmas is always good, but Easter too. Um, just a, a gift, a card, something, a bunch of flowers, um, you know, for our neighbourhoods, I think if we look around, Jesus said about being salt and light. And I think there's something in that about it being local. And I think in COVID particularly, the local and the neighbourhood has become more important to us. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. Um, so, folks, we're, we will have some time for some questions in a bit. So if you've got things you want to ask or say, you can send them to me or put them in the chat. But uh, I want it. Would it be all right to see see the pictures mm. before we come to questions? Because uh, we love oh, yeah. love seeing some pictures. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. God of this city, you're the king of these people, you're the Lord of this nation, you are, you're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are, there is no one like us. is no one like our God. The greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. You're the God of this city, you're the King of this people, you're the Lord of this nation, you are, you're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are, there is no one like
is no one like our God. There is no one like you, God. For greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be And that was fun to put together. Yeah, yes. yeah, I did it on our third anniversary actually. When I was to um, the theme was snakes and ladders, so actually, I told it as basically snakes and ladders. And my husband sat there with little ladders and big ladders and little snakes and big snakes because it is a roller coaster. But then I thought actually it was fun just to put all the pictures together um, yeah. in that way and just helpful to see a bit of the story. Yeah, superb. Thank you so much. And it's so helpful to be able to picture um, where you are even, even better. Um, so, folks, we've got a bit of time for questions. If you've got anything you want to ask, um, then do pop it in the chat. Um, or if that's um, technologically a bit challenging, then uh, actually just you know, unmute yourself and go for it. That's no problem at all. That's where I look to see if anybody's typing underneath where they are. I'll ask a question while folks are typing or thinking. Um, how were other churches in the area about you coming in and doing what you're doing? Did they say, oh, great, fantastic. Or was it slightly different? <laughs> um. Yeah, I think it's been an it's been an interesting um, journey, in fact, uh, because we we've worked before me, Mike, uh, before I was here, Michael Fanstone, who's retired minister of Manuel Baptist Church, had worked really hard with the other church leaders to say how was we as churches going to work together in Ebbsfleet and what's going to happen. Um, but that has been a bit of a roller coaster. So, and it, uh, partly because denominations work in different ways. So, I guess I have always said I'm here to work with you know, the people, but also we have, as Baptists, invested a lot of time, energy and money into this. Therefore, we want to see a Baptist church, you know, um, of some sort here. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I just had a meeting last week with the Archdeacon because there's talk of a faith space, um, religious facility, and we've got to work out how that will be. I think the developers are thinking they will build it and all the faith groups, including not just Christian faith, but all the faith groups, We'll just use it and rub along nicely together. Um, whereas we're thinking, actually, it's not going to be quite that simple, but we need to start having conversations about that. So there have been times where it's been really good. And in that picture at Christmas, I worked with the Methodist Church planter, pioneer from the other um, part of Ebbsfleet on our Christmas stuff. Both things we worked together on. Other times, certain denominations kind of march in as if, we're here now, we'll kind of, and forget that there are those of us who've been working here quite a long time. So it, like anything, it takes, it takes work. Mm. Um, but having been here, I probably, I think all of the other local clergy have changed personnel in the time I've been here yeah. as well. Those around who would be part of, and I chaired churches together in Epstein for a couple of years, well, for about five years. Um, I haven't more recently 
because mm. uh, I've focused on other things. Um, so, so yeah, I've I've got the longevity on my side. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there should be sides, because at the end of the day, it's about kingdom, and I think it's really, really important that kingdom agenda is what particularly those who aren't Christians see. You know, the sea church is working together. And if we've got issues, we deal with those quietly. <laughs> I've got two questions coming in the chat here. So the first one from Bill. Um, is there a chance of being allocated a plot for a church building? And would you want it? Mm. Yeah, there's a thing called Section 106, which is the developer's commitment to putting in infrastructure and community stuff. And it does say that there should be a religious facility in this part of Ebb's fleet, once 3,000 homes have been built, subject to demand is the wording. What they're doing is instead of allocating land, they are building a big civic hub and they're allocating a quite a big percentage of that civic hub for this religious facility. And the idea is that it's part of another building where there'll be lots of multi-use, um, which I think is actually a great idea. So they're going to put in... Um, KCC, you know, the Kent County Council stuff, youth provision, um, adult learning, job centre, police. So it's going to, the religious facility is going to be in with that. Um, but who and how that is managed and used is a conversation we're in right now. Um, so I think for me as a Baptist, I feel, well, if not us, who? And it would be good to have somewhere where Absolute Baptist Church has a home and people know they can find us. Because though I've got presence here, it's not that visible. But at the same time, I don't want to get so caught up in it because, you know, there's going to be lots of community spaces that we can use. There's an academy going in. It's an Anglican academy, but it's even got a running track. You know, there's going to be so many other spaces and we can hold loose to that as well um so just being open really to what god will say at the moment but yeah we are pushing the door on that as but i don't i had hoped at one point that we might be able to bid to be the main people and then we would run that space and we would let it out to others i don't think it's going to work like that now okay. but the next the next 12 months will it's going to be built in two years time so that's the conversation we're in at the moment Oh, so very interesting. So in, in a couple of years time, we'll be able to come and see whatever emerges. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Um, question from Simon. How do you balance mission to sort of church as service provider with mission with? So church in covenantal relationship, working on issues, opportunities raised by those living locally. How do you uh, hold those two things together? Yeah, I think that's really important because I really didn't want us to feel like we were doing two and four. So, I mean, now we've had two couples move away. One's gone to Singapore and another couple feels called more to traditional type of church. So we are a team of 16 and we've lost four adults. Um, so when it comes to setting up, we're going to need to have extra people. And I'm looking to those who are not yet Christians, but have been part of us for a while to ask them to come on board and be part of that team. So somebody in that photograph was part of, she helped me organise the event, Christmas event. She's not yet a Christian, but really supportive and in sympathy. So I think it's it's allowing them to influence and help us develop things and be part of it. And I guess the belonging before necessarily believing and behaving it's very much we want people to belong to that and help shape it whilst not losing our distinctive so I hope that answers the question but if not come back to me Simon if you want me to um, elaborate a bit more but I think it is a tension and it's something I'm I'm certainly aware of but I think being a small team means we can't be totally self-sufficient and we can't grow without actually letting other people own this and be part of it as well and I, I'm guessing that's at times a frustrating challenge but also quite a wonderful thing in a way it kind of um doesn't even put the temptation of that yeah 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 exactly um but yeah yeah no I'm excited I mean I three four years ago I would never have dreamt we'd have gone this fitness and health stuff as well as that we want to pick on men mental health and well-being and all that so I'm open to what where we might be in four years might be totally different again you know mm. I think just, we're just trying to keep in step with what God's doing. 
And we've got uh, what might be, a, I guess, a final question for us tonight from Jenny. Jenny says, you talk about moving down from the work in Docklands and Ebbsfleet. Do you think Ebbsfleet is the end game? <laughs> well, before I wash up in Margate, <laughs> down the river, I have wondered. <laughs> um, I guess I've probably got 10 more years of ministry at least. So at the moment, um, I was just discussing with somebody at the end of the week, I don't feel my calling to Ebbsfleet has changed, but I am a pioneer. Um, so I know that I'm probably not going to be the best person to lead the church as it becomes more established, whatever that might look like. Um, so I'm always asking that question. Um, I don't know whether I would move somewhere else. I could see me retiring here uh, because I love the area. But also I'd like to branch out into a little bit more of the new housing hub wider ministry as well. But again, Barry and I are open. If God wants us to go somewhere else, then we wouldn't be close to that. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to move yet. Not after last <laughs> I'm not ready to pack up and move again <laughs> for a while. And what can we be praying for you? Um. Well, last year we asked for two prayers. One was that a couple would join, at least one couple would join us from the community. And they have, and it's brilliant because she's even offered to be our treasurer and they've had a baby. And they, so that, that was a real answer to prayer. The other prayer was that we would be able to have a baptism. And I joked about us getting a um, oh, jacuzzi pool, is it? Yeah, spa for the garden. <laughs> if we had baptism um and we haven't yet and we've got a couple of people who are inquiring and um you know wanting to take first faith further so would you pray it would be so exciting for us to see somebody become a christian and to be able to have baptism um this year so that's that's one really sort of specific um prayer in addition to that that we do stay in step with what god's saying for the right thing in terms of the building and for me to keep my heart right in the way that we approach that alongside the other denominations as well. And we are also doing the, the necessary stuff of becoming constituted as a church. Seba um, have supported us as a project for a long time. And now they're saying it's, it's time you kind of <laughs> moved on. And I'm a pioneer. I'm creative. I don't really want to be looking at constitutions for hours, but we need to do that. And we need to set something up that's not just for now, but for the future. So, um, so we, yeah, just pray for that, that process. And as the church kind of transitions from being a, a mission project to a local group in a, in a locality um, and all that that involves. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, well, let's pray now. Let's pray together. Uh, gracious God, we thank you that um, we're able to point to answered prayer. So many answered prayers in what Penny shared with us this evening. And we thank you for this couple who've joined the team. Lord, we thank you even more that one of them is prepared to look after the money. And Lord, we pray your blessing on this family as they have this new chapter with the new baby as well. And Lord, we pray that um, you might continue to equip the team with all the gifts and skills that they need to do what you're calling them to do. Lord, it would be such a deep joy um, to see and someone uh, coming to faith and passing through the waters of baptism. Lord, it would be great for that person. But Lord, we know what an encouragement it would be to the church too. And so we ask that that might happen in the months ahead, Lord, in this calendar year, may there be a baptism through the work of Ebbsfleet Baptist Church, we pray. Lord, we ask that in all the things that the church will be working through over the coming months as we begin to be able to do things again, that you would help them to stay in step with your leading, that you would bless them with courage and strength and perseverance and tenacity but Lord, also with humility and patience and grace. Uh, Lord, we ask that you continue to build them together as a strong community with one another, but also that might flow out with love and grace to the people around them. Lord, we bring to you our prayers for all of the, the paperwork and the legal work that needs doing for the church to become constituted. We pray that people who do love doing these things, uh, Lord, might uh, come along and be willing to use their skills uh, to help the church. We thank you for all of those who've helped and supported the church to get to this stage 
And Lord, we pray that the next stage will be full of even more encouragements and new things for us to rejoice in your kingdom about. So Lord, bless Penny. Thank you for her willingness to come and share with us tonight. And uh, we pray that you will be with her and with her family. These things we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Penny, thank you so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed, um, well, catching up with you. It's been ages. Um, but uh, having you share with us tonight, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. And again, as people sharing their clapping hands and, and saying thanks in the chat as well. So we really appreciate you spending your time with us tonight. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. It's always a joy to be able to share the story. So really appreciate uh, having this opportunity. And yeah, just to put some faces to the church as I wave across the tents. <laughs> oh, and I pray God's blessing on South End. <laughs> Absolutely right. When we get really to the lovely. end of the pier, when we get to the end of the pier next, we'll shout across and... Uh, Yes, yeah. <laughs> send some blessings over. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you so much.